0: And it says the following, Psalms 4, 3. And it says, Mark this well, the Lord has set apart the redeemed for himself. Therefore, he will listen to me and answer when I call to him. Stand before the Lord in awe, I love that, and do not sin against him, lie quietly upon your bed in silent meditation, put your trust in the Lord, and offer him pleasing sacrifices. I take you now to Proverbs 1, and it is the most outstanding verse in the entire Bible, only because it tells us how de- how god deals with us the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction the new verse by that i mean the living bible how does a man become wise the first step is to trust and reverence the Lord that's the first step and then it goes on and it says only fools refuse to be taught listen to your mother and father what you learn from them will stand you in good stead and it will gain you many honors I'd like to share this with you have you ever asked yourself the question? How could I have done that? Ay, ay, yeah. It's one of those, uh-huh. Have you ever said, why was I so stupid? Uh-huh. uh-huh, uh-huh. Whatever came over me to have made that mistake? Uh-huh, okay. We could go on forever. Because we have so many situations in which, when we look back, we realize that we were not wise. We were not wise. And you say, Sister Amy, wait a minute, I don't want to look back. It frightens me to death to look back. All right? Well, then let me tell you what you can do. The scripture says, and it says it clearly How does a person become wise? We're not talking about age. Because you become wise the day you decide to become wise. But let me tell you how it, how, it, how it evolves. I mean, what is the process? The first step, and this is what I love about the Bible. The first step, we're not talking second, third, fourth, fifth. The first step is to trust and reverence the Lord. And that's why I share with you this morning this precious, precious truth, and that is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We will never, we will never be wise, we will never be smart, we will never be bright enough on our own, it just doesn't happen. You say, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, Sister Amy. Life has given us philosophers that have not been religious. Life has given us very intelligent beings. We have people in science and we have people in many fields that are not quote-quote religious. Are you declaring them to not be wise? I would have to say this morning If their wisdom does not start with the fear of the Lord, they're not wise. Why? Because the beginning of wisdom, the beginning, the first step of wisdom, the first step of of knowing, and when we talk about wisdom, and when we talk about, we're talking about that which leads us, and that which can lead us in this life. Wait a minute, wait a minute, let's stop. What is wisdom? Is wisdom smarts? Is wisdom having all the answers? Is wisdom being on top there? Is wisdom Ivy League? I mean, what is wisdom? Okay. Wisdom, number one, is the fear of the Lord. But, in human application, wise is the person that knows how to put to best use that information which he has. All right, now I'm going to prove the opposite. Do you know people with BAs and MAs and PhDs and from A to Z behind their name and their yo-yos? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, Sister Amy, respect education. I do respect education. I do respect education, but I have lived with people and I have walked with people and I have talked with people with a great deal of secular education. And they can't get their feet out of the mud pile of life. They scramble from, what shall we say, from pillar to post. They can't hold a marriage together. They can't hold their own lives together. So what is that? Well, you can get all the knowledge you can. And if you don't have the proper use of that knowledge, you are not wise. Because wise is a person that knows how to apply his knowledge into his very life so that it will prosper, so that it will be blessed. Other than that, it doesn't work. And that's why I love the Bible. The Bible minces with no words. The Bible doesn't even... look you know what the Bible says? The Bible says the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then it says in the first step, the first step, Let's not talk this, let's not talk that. The first step is to trust and reverence the Lord. Those are two key words when we talk about uh, our our situation with God. You've got to trust him. And then you've got to fear him, reverence him. Fear does not mean being afraid of God. Fear means, means understanding how awesome he is. And although you and I can't comprehend it, nor can we box it, nor can we claim to be sole owners of this, no, 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 no. But we don't have to be. All we have to do is trust and reverence him. And within the framework of who we are. It's so important, folks, because God looks from heaven. That's why I had chosen that beautiful fourth psalm. And because it says it so well, mark this well. The Lord has set aside, set apart the redeemed for himself. Therefore, he'll listen to me and he'll answer when I call him. Stand before the Lord in awe and do not sin against him. Lie quietly in your bed in silent meditation. Oh, folks, we're talking about the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. You say, well, does everybody have it? Let me tell you something. There is an element in our life which has stolen the richest and the most beautiful blessings from us. And that element is sin. Sin has been the thief in the night. Sin has been the one that has come in in the most subtle form. Because when we think of sin, everybody says, well, if everybody's doing it, then then I'm not guilty because we're all guilty. No, I want to tell you something. First of all, let me tell you the number one sin. Before you start to get all these elevated situations and when you start to run down a Pentecostal list of sins, I want to set you straight. Because this is important. When we talk about sin, the sin of sins, the sin above every other sin, the sin which will send men to hell, is the rejection of God. That's it. You say, oh, was this Remy?" <laughs> I don't reject God. <laughs> then, I'm, then I'm not a sinner. No, you're a sinner. You're a sinner because we're born in sin. That's the way we we're conceived by our parents. We were born in sin. But the number one sin is to reject God because once you reject God, there's nothing going in your favor. Do you realize that? Nothing going in your favor. That's why when you see people, we're not telling them they're drunks. We're not telling them they're alcoholics. We're not telling them uh, they're drug addicts. We're not telling them they're fornicators. We're not telling them they're adulterous. We're not telling them they're apacalized. We're not telling them... No, we're not, we're not saying they're covetous. We're not saying any of that. Because that isn't the issue. The issue is... Do you know God? Have you come to Him? And you say, Sister Amy, but I've got, I've got a lot of tin cans that rattle behind me. Don't worry about them. Don't wor- who, ha- who doesn't? Do you know of anybody that doesn't have tin cans that rattle behind them? We all have. We're like, we're like the wedding party in the new car with all the garbage in the back. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's how we are. And you say, well, well, aren't you looking? No, no, that's not what I'm looking at. And that's not what I want you to look at today. I want you to look at the major sin, which is rejection of God. You say, well, how do people reject God? Well, when you think your way is better than His. When you think that your thinking is clearer than His. When He says to you, come unto me, and you say, no, I'm going somewhere else. You see, all of that is rejection. And that's the greatest sin on the face of the earth. Many people say, what is the unpardonable sin? Well, to reject God. Why is it unpardonable? Because He's the only one that can help you. If you don't have Him, you have no help. So when we talk about the fear of the Lord, the reverence, the respect of the Lord, and we say it's the beginning of wisdom, we have to understand that sin cancels God's direction. Sin sets up its own criteria. Every sinner has their own criteria. Oh, I wouldn't do this. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Sin also has its own counsel. It justifies... It accepts, it rejects, because this is the setup of sin. He says, Remy, I'm not, to, uh, explain it a little better. Well, there's not much to explain. The Apostle John, I think, says it in the best way. The Apostle John says that when we battle, the spiritual battle, number one, is a battle with the Spirit of this world. And the Spirit of this world is contrary to the Spirit of God. This world doesn't want to know about God. Why? Because God gets in its way. Whenever you see a rebellion, whenever you see a spirit that says, no, not that way for me, it's just rebellion. And that rebellion, hey, can I tell you something? It's innate. There isn't anybody sitting in this room who isn't a natural rebel. Yeah. You say, oh no, Sister Amy, I'm very docile. (laughs) till somebody steps on your corns. And I mean that. There's nothing docile about us. There's not. The only thing is that some people express it better. And I'll tell you why they express it. Because they want to scare the wits out of everyone around them. Don't you dare try to stop me. But you know something? I got news for you. When the challenge is the biggest and the baddest, watch out. Because they fall the hardest. Always remember that. Always remember that. When you're terribly alarmed, when somebody is terribly uh, uh, fascinated by their sin, hold steady, hold steady, hold steady. It's the spirit of the world. And then sin has to do with the dominion of flesh. I, I think, can you imagine if we were able to peel this whole thing off? Walk around, I don't know, like a bionic person looking like we're connected with electricity or something like that? But we can't. You see this flesh? It goes with us everywhere. And guess what? It sleeps with you every night. Some people say, no. I am so spiritual. I am above the flesh. No, you're in the flesh. <laughs> Not above it. In it. So what do we do, Sister Amy? What do we do? Well, this is where, this is where putting God first comes in. This is where putting God first comes in. There has to be Somebody that controls the center of your being. You've got to have somebody in charge of your nerve system. And when it's God, because you give him control, the minute you move out of that control, you'll hear that brr, 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 and you'll know something. And then you wish you'd never surrendered. You'd wish you'd never heard about this. You'd wish you could go out and do your own thing the way you want to do it, the way you used to do it. But you can't. The spirit of the world will literally, in a very special way, entice us. The dominion of the flesh will tell us that we deserve whatever we're doing. We deserve it. Uh, we've been alone, we've been weary, we've been tired. Uh, Hey, there isn't a good healthy eater out there, an overeater, an overweight person. I don't know anything about this, but I'll continue to talk. <laughs> that doesn't know the sin of the situation. And I mean that. And I mean that. Because there are things that pertain to the flesh that seem to satisfy all the needs of our being. Nobody loves you, but apple pie and ice cream does. It goes down nice, Bob. You hear me? Yeah, where it settles, I hate to tell you, but I tell you where it goes down. Yeah. There's a warmth about it and think in terms of sex and think in terms of whatever else or whatever is your inclination because there are people out there skinny as a rail and doing their thing. But everything tends to cozy up to our basic needs. The spirit of the world, the dominion of the flesh. Now let's talk about the power of Satan. If anybody in this chapel at this date and age does not believe in Satan, you're not living in New York City. You are a space cadet. You're somewhere out of it. You're not here. You're not here. And I'll tell you why you're not here. Because our cities, our hallways, our our train situation, our planes, everything that has to do with life in itself, I've got news for you. We're coming to a point where you can smell Satan. Sometimes as we sit in new beginnings, which is the thrill of being with people that need help. And some have been clean for, I don't know how long, but they go on and they give their dates and their times. Then all of a sudden somebody says, Sister Amy, it's hard. And I don't doubt that it's hard because within my weakness I can understand a lot of people's weakness and somebody looks me right in the face and says do you know that there are times that I just walk and I can smell cocaine I can smell it I can smell it and when I'm through smelling it I can almost taste and then all of a sudden I'm in a turmoil wow there's none around nobody's taking it in terms of where we're at what is this what is this it's an invasion of the enemy into all the forces of our human being and if you come tonight to the Spanish service you'll hear a sermon I'm going to preach when Jesus says in Spanish "Satanas, quítate." Satan, get thee behind me. But he says it in such a way. Because the first time he says it is written. The second time he says it is written. And the third time he says get away. And when you start to smell your sin around you. That's when you say Satan, get away. You say does it work? You better believe it works. The church of Christ has authority. The church of Christ has power. What do you mean the church of Christ? Whoever has believed in the Lord. What do you think? We're here clapping our hands trying to look pretty. What do you think? We, we, we just come here to get our spiritual kicks. There is power. There is presence. There is Holy Ghost anointing for what the church has to do on the face of the earth. And we thank the Lord. Because some people look at us and say, oh, you got a nice group. Oh, I like New Beginnings. It's a comfortable circle. Well, I hope you come and you're not comfortable. Because the, the, what we, we, we don't want you to be comfortable. We want you to get close to the Lord. Now, this is important. I want to tell you that the flesh is insatious or, what can I put it, never satisfied. The godless give account to no one. And sometimes in the dominion of the flesh, we want a freelance spirit. Anything goes. Now I'm going to tell you the inclination of your flesh and my flesh. I will not leave myself out. The inclination of the flesh is toward perversion. It's not toward God. There's nobody body, nobody's body here that says my body totally will belong to God. Hallelujah. You may want that, but this body doesn't say that. woo, Woo She has fantasies, she has pictures, she has thrills, she has sensations, she knows what she's done before, she knows how much better she can do it now, and she sets her pace toward our destruction through perversion. It's sad, folks. It's so sad. Sister Amy, what do you do then? What do you do with sin? Well, you got to get a hold of the one that forgives sin. And I'm so glad that God has provided a forgiver. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm here to tell you that the way sin tears away direction from your life, the one that forgives our sin returns divine direction. It's not easy. It's not easy to get on the right track. It's not easy to move in the right direction. But let me tell you something. With the help of the Lord, it can be done. What does it? The fear of the Lord. Now let me, let me tell you something about the fear of the Lord, which is a little warm and beautiful. We fear God because we know He loves us. And the knowledge that He loves us has now pushed through us to the point that we love Him. And our our love is strange because it's so weak. You understand? Our love is, there's not much to it. There's not much to it. Our our love is thin. Our love has no vitamins to it. Our our love is weak. It's like blood that has no white corpuscles. But that's okay. Because the closer we get to him, and the more we tell him that we love him, and the more you tell him that you can't live without him, He, in turn, will start the divine transfusions through the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll set you up with a couple of IVs that will have you transformed into strength and into grace. No, you won't take on the world. You won't. But you'll be able to contain yourself. That's all that counts. Because until we contain ourselves, we can't take on the world. And you want to know something? I'm not ready to take on the world. I just want to be a good girl, you hear me? Do you hear me? I have no dreams, I had dreams, I had aspirations. I was going to go out and save the world, didn't you know that? I was going to go one by one. I would travel every continent if I had to because that was my spiritual zeal. And you know what I love about the Lord? He let me go. Oh, I went. I ran ragged, folks. I ran cockeyed, I can't even tell you. I did so many things that, that even I think God is still laughing. I really mean it. I think He says, "Oh, thank, you. thank God, I've got her settled in the Bronx. There, thank God, she's sitting quiet. You know, she won't disturb any more people." Why? Because well, hey, come on, what am I telling you? What am I telling you? We, we, we get we get so much zeal with with no, with no science, if you understand what I mean. And you can't. You've got to have them both together. You've got to have zeal, but you've got to have direction. You have to have God's word with you. So folks, the fear of the Lord, you know what it does? It comes against the spirit of the world. The world's enticing you, but the fear of the Lord is saying, you've got something bigger. I'm with you. And then comes the echo, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I'll hold your hand. I'll be through the dark nights. I will give you, yes, the dreams of your heart. Once they're filtered through my will, once they're filtered through my timetable, I'll give you your dreams. Some people think God is standing there with an arrow. You know, trying to uh, trying to just uh, uh, kill every dream we could ever have. Oh no, he will not withhold any good thing from them that walk uprightly, from them that trust in him. God is more anxious for you to have a good time than you are to have a good time. How do you like that? I can't wait to get to heaven. I think heaven's going to be the most swinging place in the world. Oh, I mean that. I mean that. Those people that are re- go, ready to die and go up there, watch out. Cause ain't no dying there no there is action there is activity there is what god intended for man from the beginning oh yes oh yes I'm, I'm getting excited i'm getting excited because i know through the word it's the fear of the lord that keeps the flesh in check the fear of the lord we can't we can't the fear of the lord because when you love God, isn't it amazing what you do for love? Just take the idea of those kids of yours. When you really love them, don't they twist your arm? You, you determined you were not going to do something. And all it took was just a little while. I remember when Joseph Henry was just a baby, not so much a baby, seven or eight years old. And he would come and he would say, Mom, I want this. And I'd say, no, Joe, you, you can't have it, honey. No, you can't. Well, he'd walk around, and about 15 minutes later, he'd be back with the same petition. Mama, I want this. Mama, I want this. And I would say, uh, honey, I already said no. Well, he'd wait another 12, 15 minutes, and he'd be back. Mama, you know, Ma, it'd be a good thing if I had this. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting a little tired, but he's so sweet. You know? And so, I'm... So finally, the fourth time, he comes, and then Debbie steps in. We love Debbie. Debbie is precious. And Debbie looks over at Joseph Henry. You don't remember, but I'm gonna tell you. Debbie looks over at Joseph Henry cause Debbie is saying, mama said no. She said no four times, five times. How many times does she have to say no? <laughs> and Joseph turns around. He didn't know I heard him. That's okay. About after the seventh time she gives in. <laughs> and it always worked out, always worked out. He knew just how to get me, okay? Listen, folks, I've got news for you. God is better than Mama Amy. Because if what you want is within his framework, within his time, within his will, you'll get it. The only thing that he gets it, when you can handle it. Because there are things you're asking for that you can't handle and they'll kill you. But when you wait out his time, it'll work out okay. I've got to tell you something. The fear of the Lord, the word declares, and this is important, especially for those that are afraid of the devil, the word declares that Satan's a liar and that he is a defeated enemy. You say, Sister Amy, but if he's defeated, look at all he's doing. If he's defeated, look at the destruction he brings about this world. If he's defeated, well, wait a minute. He's defeated for those that believe in Jesus Christ. He's defeated for those that have Calvary as their place of redemption. He is defeated for those that know the power of his blood that was spilt on the cross. It's to those that have that knowledge that he's defeated. And that's why we can say to him what Jesus said to him. Get thee behind me. Get away from me. Oh hallelujah. The fear, the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know what the scripture says? We start by acknowledging who he is. I'm going to tell you something. The most beautiful words in the whole wide world is when that baby, that first baby starts to say, mama, mama. Then if you've got nasty kids that learn to say papa first, (laughs) you have to settle for it, okay? But when that kid lead lets out that mama or that papa, you go crazy. You go crazy. It's the first time you open your arms and you say, come on. That little thing wobbles and wobbles and wobbles. Looks like it's going backwards. Looks like it's going forward. And reaches your arms. You go, wow. You want to open the, the ceiling, the walls, the windows. And say, hey world. He walked. So what? of 80 million other kids walk. Come on, give me a break. But what does that mean to you? It's your child. It's your baby. I don't want to get melancholy, but you're God's baby. And he stands there saying, come on, you can make it. Come on, you can make it. And we wobble. And we go from side to side. And we're almost going forward. We're almost going backwards. And all of a sudden, the hands are bigger than ever. And it, it offers all the security in the world. And we plump, fall into his hands. What a glorious moment. What a glorious experience. This is good. You see, the fear of the Lord is when we acknowledge him. And you've got to acknowledge him as the lover of your soul. You know, so many people see him as I did as a child. My father used to say, the hand of the Lord will come upon you. Wow. I looked up to heaven and all I saw was one big gigantic hand that was ready to crush anybody that got out of line. He meant to do well. He meant to put the fear of the Lord in me. La mano de Dios. I said, whoa. You just get so scared. But i got to tell you something, He loves you. When we start acknowledging who He is, and with that we start trusting, then we start accepting Him. Accepting what He has said He'll do for us. And when we accept that, then we start, you know what? We start obeying Him. But folks, once again, back to, back to square one. It's easy to obey when you love. When you love, it's easy to obey. And when people don't obey, it's usually that they don't, they don't really love. And in the case of our love for God, that's the way it's going to be. And once, once we have this reverence, once we start acknowledging who He is, once we accept Him, and once we are in obediently walking with Him, and let me tell you something, folks, we all slip and fall. We all slip and fall. Don't anybody think here that we walk? No, the perfect walk will be there, but we do slip and fall here but we've got to know how to get back. And let me tell you something, we gotta scramble back. You understand what I mean? Like there's a door that's cl- closing slowly and you gotta, a We'll make it back. And the beautiful thing is he's waiting. Now once this forgiveness is ours, and once the fear of the Lord has been understood as reverence and love, then his word, this, this Bible, it takes over. It's the Bible that then takes over because it's written by the Holy Spirit, and it sets the tone for us. It then declares what God wants. And what does God want from you? That you praise Him, that you worship Him, that you adore Him. Why does God suffer from ego problems? No, no, no. He suffers from the problem of wanting to bless you, of wanting to be with you, of wanting to love and hug you. But if you if you push back, He can't do that. So that's why I say, What God wants is for you to just stand there and say, Lord, I love you, and I know you love me. And this is all I can say. And it's enough. It's enough. His word declares what God wants, that we serve him. And the word shows us how to receive from him. And how is that? Just trusting and believing. Just trusting and believing. And then his word turns into direction. It becomes, for us, the order of the day. I love that. I heard a preacher this morning. We get up kind of early on Sunday mornings. And I heard a preacher this morning say this, and I loved what he said. He says, when you open your day with God, you simply commit it to him. And then he went on to say, don't worry about the time span. Just open the day with him. Give him the day. Give him your thoughts. Start the day with him. Let him take you through. And then you would say to me that now, today, you would say, Sister Amy, I've got to tell you something. It's not always so easy when I think of fear the Lord because every now and then I've got a warped picture of God. He doesn't come through clear. I don't, I don't always understand. Oh, folks, God knew that too. That's why from heaven he sent his son. A son that looked just like you, just like you men. He looked just like us. A son that walked here. That historians caught his life, his actions, his miracles. Secular historians knew about it and wrote about it. So he wasn't something in a fog. He wasn't something in a cloud. He wasn't something some loonies made up. He was real. And history backs it up completely. You can go from Josephus and then go down to all the historians of his day and they'll all mark Jesus. Oh, they'll mark him as the torment of the Jewish people. They'll mark him as as almost the root of an uprising. Uh, They'll mark him as... To some people, an imposter. But God sent Jesus for us. And that's why I love Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because through those gospels, I follow Jesus. I follow him on dusty roads. I follow him in the hills at night (laughs) when he gets away to be alone with God. I follow him as he talks to his disciples with such love. There were times I would have shook them. There were times I would have beat them. There were times I would have thrown them out. He never did. He never did. found time for them. Found time for their weaknesses. Can you imagine we get to the last chapter of the book of Luke? We get to the last chapter of the book of John. Oh, I was so amazed at that. There it is, the very last chapter. And they've gone out to fish because they don't know what to do. To do with what? They don't know what to do with a dead savior. They don't know what to do with a risen savior. They don't know what to do with a resurrection. They don't know what to do with a master that has proved everything he said he would do. But they they, they weren't ready for him. And they're so confused. They're going round and round and round in circles. He was dead, now he's alive. He's here, now he's leaving. He's, he's, he's God, yet he's man. Uh, well, well maybe, maybe now he'll restore Israel. Maybe now we'll dominate over Rome. They're still going wacky. Three years with him. But the last week was the most hectic. And Peter looks at the fellas and says, Look, I can't take the pressure. Don't you love it? Sound familiar? Can't take the pressure. Oh, I love you men. Peter says, Let's go fishing Let's go fishing, and they do. They fish all night and fish nothing. They come in the next morning. Oh, this is so, this is beautiful. And there's a man on the beach. There's a man on the beach. He's frying fish, and there's some bread there. And the man yells out and says, well, what? have you caught anything? And the fellows in the boat say, nothing. If they were Puerto Ricans, they'd say, catarro just caught a cold and then he says to them throw the net over the right side of the boat and all of a sudden little John oh I love John he's there he's alive he's well and he says to Peter it's the master now Peter's already been through this if it's you tell me to walk on water he's been through that he's not going to go through it again so he takes off his coat throws himself in the water and swims to shore. And when he gets there, sure enough, it is the master. And then they all sit down to breakfast. He says, bring over some more fish. He fries up. Isn't that marvelous? Can you believe this? Can you believe this, folks? One of these men's fellowships, you ought to have a fish fry. <laughs> Just to remember the last thing he did with his disciples on the earth. The last thing he did. And he sits down and then they're sitting with him and the cutest thing is that they're all saying to themselves, We don't really wanna ask if it's him because we know it's him. So it'd be stupid to ask if it's him, right? So you don't ask if it's him. And they're sitting there and he's breaking bread. He's breaking fish with them. What a morning, the resurrection breakfast. Can you see his humanity? I think I've shared this with you before but I don't care so many new people. If I were Jesus, I would have been standing on a cloud If I were Jesus, I'd have some kind of arrows shooting out of me, okay? If I were Jesus, I'd have like some stardust falling. Do you understand? Just little sparkles, little sparkles. Why? Because I'm not the old Jesus. I'm I'm not the dead Jesus. I'm the new Jesus. Come on, look at me. Whoa! But he's not. He's frying fish. He's breaking bread. He's saying to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter's having a very hard time. And finally, Jesus speaks intimately and tells Peter, even the death, he'll die. And Peter's getting a little pushed out of shape with all of this attention. And John's standing behind, and he says, well, what are you going to do with him? And then Jesus looks over at, at, uh, at Peter. I like Jesus' answer. He must have lived in New York, right? He says, mind your own business. (laughs) Mind your own business. What I do with him, that's my business. What I do with you is my business. Don't get involved in what I'm doing with somebody else. What I'm trying to say to you today, that Jesus gives us the best example of humanity. He did his father's bidding. Yes, he did. He did his father's works. Yes, he did. He showed his father's love. He showed his father's power. He showed his father's eternal plan on Calvary. An obedient son in every sense of the word for you and for me. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. And what is he telling us? What did he tell his disciples? You don't understand all of this. But the power of the Holy Ghost will come upon you. And there's so many things that you didn't understand that you will understand. And let me tell you something. In Christ, We have new beginnings. When Christ comes into your life, you're able to make decisions to start again. Decisions that are in His will, in His way, in His plan, in His purpose. And you know what? We can then go all the way with Him. We'll live with Him down here, we'll reign with Him up there. And this is it. Where does it begin? Where does it start? The first step is to fear and reverence the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. I want to be wise, I do. I have people to teach. I have a household of faith that I'm responsible for. You've got a household that you're responsible for. You've got a circle that surrounds you, no matter how large, no matter how small that you're responsible for. So you know what? We've got to be faithful. We've got to show them that we know Jesus. Oh, they'll, they'll beat on us, let me tell you they will. Because they won't find us as religious as maybe we should be. Uh, they won't find us maybe as, as corny as they want us to be. And every now and then they're going to want to check us down. Because we, we're, we're just not wholly sanctified. Don't worry about it. You've got him. You've got his strength and his power. You've got him. You've got everything you need. There's nothing missing from your life. Could we have just a moment to say thank you, Jesus? Would you close your eyes for a moment? My good friend, you're with us. You want the fear of the Lord in your life? Didn't know exactly how to get it, didn't know exactly how available it was for you, didn't know exactly how you could get in touch with it, well the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom.